Thank you. Good evening. Have you had a good weekend? Any rugby fans here? Anybody that would, their three words to describe, to sum up this weekend would go, come on, England. My husband's in Kenya, but my son is in Japan. And uh, he was there at the match yesterday. What a great match to see, I think, although I didn't watch it, confession. <laughs> but England are through to the, is it the semi-finals? Yeah. yeah. Any kind of fair weather rugby fans that will be watching the final if they get through, but not interested if they're not? No, just me. <laughs> So, um, a few years ago, uh, my husband went to uh, a friend's house for a meal. It was a boys' night. This friend, Will, had invited a few lads around uh, for a, a boys' night. I think they might have been watching a kind of sports event. I don't really know. But he thought, uh, but he decided that he'd cooked uh, his friends, uh, my husband and the other lads that were there, a meal before they dived into whatever it was, whether it was golf or cricket or, you know, whatever it was that was on the TV that night. And uh, he, he put this meal together, decided to cook for himself, you know, got his wife away. None of us women were involved. And uh, he produced this pretty impressive meal. And it came to uh, pudding time, it came to dessert time, and he put this sort of delectable-looking chocolate cheesecake on the table in front of the boys. And it looked impressive, their mouths were watering, and, you know, just the kind of thing that you want to finish off a nice meal with before you go and, you know, sit and watch the rugby or whatever it was. And uh, my Tim, he tucked into it, took a, took a mouthful. And the minute the food, uh, that, that bit morsel of, of chocolate cheesecake that was on his spoon hit his taste buds, he began to realize that something was not quite right. And um, he kind of disguised what was going on inside his mouth with his, with his um, face. He decided not to spit it out, tried to tried very hard to swallow what was in his mouth, but it quickly became apparent as they were sitting around the table looking at each other that something was really, really wrong. And they asked um, Will, uh, you know, to give them a bit of background about the cheesecake, and, and he was, you know, a bit surprised, wasn't quite sure what was going on. But he'd gone into the supermarket, turns out, and he had his list of ingredients that he was shopping with. And uh, he got to uh, the ingredient saying soft cheese, and he was standing in front of the cheese council, counter, and he looked at the blocks of brie in front of him, which said soft cheese. So, <laughs> so he bought some brie and whisked it into the chocolate cheesecake, and Bob's your uncle, or not, as it was. So rather disappointingly for Will and for the boys that night, one ingredient messed up the whole cheesecake and made it inedible, and none of them could enjoy it. What a shame. And it's rather a fun story. They've had, you know, they've had some fun telling it, but it illustrates a principle in certain walks of life that we need a whole pile of different ingredients to make something work. And if one of those ingredients is missing or one of them is wrong, it can affect the outcome or the effectiveness of what we're trying to do. And the same is true, it is particularly true, in walking with God. As Andrew said, we've begun this series uh, last week about walking with God. How do we walk with God in a healthy way that means our lives are fruitful, our relationship with Jesus grows, we grow into the healthy uh, children of his, the effective, fruitful children of his that he has planned for us to be. How do we do that? And in this series, we're looking at some of the different ingredients that are really key to making sure that our walk with Jesus is a healthy one, to make sure that our relationship with him is a healthy one. 
And those different ingredients matter. And if we leave an ingredient out, it has a profound effect, no matter how effective the other ingredients are on our walk with him. Living things grow. You don't need me to tell, that, tell you that. We can see it in nature. And God wants you to grow. He wants me to grow. I hope it's not news to you, but you're not perfect yet. You're not as mature as he wants you to be. He has you on a journey with him. And because he is all about life, he intends for you to grow. He intends for me to grow. But that growth hinges on there being the right ingredients in our walk with him so that it is a healthy one. And therefore, you may love reading the Bible. And you may read the Bible tons and tons and tons. But if reading the Bible is the main thing that you do and you don't have some of the other ingredients in your life, your growth is going to be distorted. You are going to have a distorted walk with God. You may love worship, and you, spend, you may spend hours and hours worshipping the Lord. But if that's the main ingredient in your life and other ones are left out or left to the side, you will have a distorted relationship with God. It's not that you won't have any relationship with him, but you'll have a distorted relationship with him. You may love serving. You may love blessing people. You may love being generous. You may love prayer. And we, can re- we all have our favorite sort of activities and way that, ways that we express our love for God. But actually, we need a mixture of ingredients. We need the right ingredients to make sure that our walk with him is healthy and that therefore we are healthy. healthy. And the ingredient that we're talking about this evening, the ingredient that I want to talk about is, is probably, I would say, it's arguably the ingredient that tends to get left to the side more than any others. And it's the ingredient of accountable relationships. It's the ingredient of accountable relationships. You don't need me to tell you that we need the community of God. You know, I know that you know, that we can't grow as healthy followers of Jesus and we can't have a living, dynamic relationship with God without each other, without belonging to God's family. God's purpose for you in your life, his main purpose for you is to learn to be loved and to learn to love others. It's that simple. His mission for you is to learn to be loved by him and by other people to learn to live in love, and to learn to love other people. Jesus summed it up, didn't he? He said, all you need to know is in the two commandments. Love God and love each other. And if we love God, we learn to receive his love. And then we give it away to each other. It's all about learning to love. And everything else we do, all the other fruit that comes from our lives, the mission, the purposes, whatever else we're called to in this life, flows from and is about love. And we cannot learn to love And we cannot learn to be loved with God's love without his community, without his family. So we need the community of God. And we have all kinds of different relationships with one another and within the community of God. But we also need accountable relationships, which is what uh, we're talking about this evening. So, you don't need me to tell you, but I'm going to remind you that we can have all kinds of different relationships with each other. So we can have unhealthy relationships or actually broken relationships with each other where we basically have a kind of back-to-back relationship. We don't really talk to the person on the other side. Maybe they've offended me. Maybe I'm upset with them. Maybe they have got a different view about Brexit than me or whatever it is. But we have kind of broken relationships where we don't really talk, don't really you know, connect with each other. And, you know, they may be relationships within our church family. They may be relationships uh, that we have with other people 
in our families, in the world where we work, in our university, where, wherever. Then we can have sort of sort of relationships where, you know, we might chat to the person over our shoulder, but we have a we have relationship with people that we don't know very well. We might kind of say hi over coffee after church. We might, might say hi across the office, and we might just exchange a tiny bit of banter or a tiny bit of news, but we don't really know that person. Then we can have what I would call unhealthy relationships. And they're kind of one-way relationships, or you know, the majority of them is one way. So one person is doing the majority of the giving, the majority of the talking, the majority of taking initiative, the majority of putting in the effort, the majority of the listening. One person is doing most of the relational work, as it were, and the other person is doing more of the taking and the more of being, the more of, you know, being pursued or whatever it is. And those kind of relationships are unhealthy. There are healthy relationships and we have seasons of kind of one-wayness because there's a tragedy or there's a life circumstance that means actually one of, one of us has got a diminished capacity to give. But if you're in a relationship, you know, if you have, a, you have friendships where you're doing all the giving or the majority of the giving or the majority of the taking initiative or whatever, I would say that's an unhealthy relationship. You know, and sometimes I hear people saying, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for a place where I can go where people can support me. And actually, receiving support from people isn't a wrong thing, but if that's your goal in a relationship, you're asking for a one-way relationship. You know, it's an unhealthy one. And then we have, probably which the majority of our friendships are, the kind of side-by-side -side relationships where we're basically doing life together. We might be watching Netflix together, might be watching the rugby together, we might be at the cinema together, we might be kind of sharing our perspectives on life together, we might be sharing our, our views about life together, chatting about things. And this is where I know quite a lot about the person sitting next to me, I know what they think, I know what they like, and they know quite a lot about me. And they're kind of an alongside friendship doing life together and we hang out, and we have banter, and we have fun, and we just enjoy spending time together. And then, there are the kind of relationships that are life-changing. And they're the face-to-face -face relationships. They're the heart-to-heart -heart relationships. They're the kind of accountable relationships that we don't necessarily have with very many people, but we don't need to have them with loads of people. We just need them with a few. And in this kind of relationship, I would say that the word that describes it primarily is vulnerability. And it's where I am willing to share my heart with you. And I'm willing to let you see and know about my failures. And I'm willing to let you know about my fears. And I'm willing to let you know about some of my struggles and that kind of stuff. And actually, you're willing to do it with me. And I see into you, and you see into me, and actually, it's a really healthy relationship. It's a scary one, it's a vulnerable one, but it has the potential to be life-changing. And we might call those kind of relationships accountable, because I kind of give you a bit more of an account of my life and what's going on in my life, and you give me one a bit like that. And these are the kind of relationships that we need in our lives in order to grow into the potential that God has for us. And I would arguably say they have the power to propel us forward in an incredibly significant way. They have the power to do that. Do you have people like this? Do you have relationships like this in your life? 
Do you have people in your life who you make yourself known to, who you make yourself vulnerable to, and who make themselves vulnerable to you? I would say, in my experience, it's, it's these kind of relationships that have been so significant in my journey as a Christian. I've still got further to go, but I know I can't do it without these people in my life. But, to, you know, to this point in time, God has used people and relationships like that to grow me significantly. But there's a particular dimension to this kind of relationship. There's, an e- there's even a particular dimension to this kind of relationship that I want to talk about in the moments that we've got left. You might, if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to Ephesians 4. We need to make this legitimate and open the Bible. <laughs> so if you've got a, uh, a Bible, got a phone, you'll find it in Ephesians 4, the passage for today, verses 14 to 16. So this is Paul talking to a community of believers about growing. And he's saying this, then we will no longer be like immature children. So that's the point. We are not meant to remain as immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. There we are. That's the goal for us to grow as a body. And if we're going to grow as a body, we have to grow as individuals to be healthy and full of love. But what this passage is saying is that for that to happen, we need people in our lives who are willing to speak the truth in love to us. That's the dimension of accountable, having an accountable relationship, a heart-to-heart, face-to-face relationship that I just want us to focus on. Because what this passage is saying is that throughout our lives, and particularly in our journey with God, we're going to be influenced by all kinds of things. We know that. We're influenced by the culture that we you know, grow up in. We're in we've been influenced you know, in all kinds of different ways. And this passage is saying that there are specific influences that continue to bear down on us in our journey with God, including, shockingly, you know, red alert here, new teaching that sounds convincing. We're going to be exposed to that while we're here on earth, teaching that sounds convincing, teaching that says things like, you know, God loves you so much, he doesn't care about the way you live, he just accepts you as you are. He does accept you as you are, but he absolutely cares about the way you live. Teaching that says things like, do you know what, the Bible isn't relevant for today, so we just need to chop out the bits that don't seem relevant. God's word says that all scripture is good for teaching and correcting and shaping us. Teaching that says things like you can choose your identity. Teaching that says things like God is love and love conquers all and everybody's going to end up in heaven with him when they die. The Bible says that, you know, what Paul's saying here is that we're going we're to be influenced. There's influences out there, new teaching that sounds convincing. He also goes on to say there are lies out there that look like truth. So how are we going to be protected from all of this stuff? God isn't saying we're going to be protected through a direct line to him. He says you need people in your life who will speak the truth in love to you. Jesus won't let you. I think, you know, I need, I've been reminded by by this myself preparing for this, um, this week. 
God, you know, we all long to hear God's voice. I know you long to hear God's voice. It's, it's part of the desire of the human heart to hear God's voice, I believe. We long to hear God's voice, but there are certain things that Jesus will not say to you in any other way than through somebody speaking the truth into your life. There are things he'll say to you directly as you're reading the Bible, as you're praying, as you're asking him to speak, but there are certain things he will only say to you through someone else. Because actually he's made us for relationship with each other as well as relationship with him. So if we don't have these kind of relationships with each other, we are, we are making sure that he can't say certain things to us that he will only say to us through these kind of accountable relationships. Have you got people in your life that will speak the truth in love to you? Have you ever been driving along and uh, you're on a dual carriageway and you pull out and you suddenly hear a honk uh, on the horn of a car behind you because there was a car in your blind spot and you didn't notice them? Has that ever happened to any of you or are you all amazing drivers? <laughs> it's happened to me and you slam on the brakes and swerve back in and then thank God that nothing you know, happened. But do you know what? You have blind spots. You have blind spots in your life. So do I. Do you know what they are? Of course you don't. Because they're blind spots and you can't see what they are. And so you have mindsets and you have attitudes and you have certain behaviors and you have certain ways of responding to things that are really unhealthy. And they're actually preventing you from inheriting more of the life and the freedom and the healing that God has for you. But how are you going to find out what they are? You need people who can see them to tell you what they are. Because other people are the mirrors that God has given you and put around you for some of those things. So have you got people in your life that will speak the truth to you in love? And I want to suggest to you that this is the most challenging kind of relationship for us to have, you know, as, a, as anybody. You know, just because we're Christians doesn't make it easier. I think this is the most kind of challenging kind of relationship to have because it's the most life-giving. And so often the most life-giving things come in the kind of toughest of packages because it's like God goes, well, how much do you really want it? How much do you really want it? Do you want it enough for the package to be a bit tricky and a bit awkward? So I want to ask the question in the, in the bit of time that we've got left. How can we develop these kind of relationships with each other? For those of us that want to go after the more life, the more health to grow in the way that God has for us, how can we go after these kind of relationships and make sure that we have them in our lives? Because like I said, I don't think they come naturally. And the main thing I want to say this evening, and if you get nothing else, then get this, is that we need to learn to deal with somebody I'm going to call Rodrigo. Okay, now humor me a moment. I'm going to introduce you to Rodrigo. <laughs> Rodrigo, is, as I call him, is the name for my ego. And Rodrigo lives within me somewhere. And you have a Rodrigo. I don't know if we girls have female Rodrigos or, you know, whatever. But we all have a Rodrigo. And Rodrigo is the name for our ego. And... Uh, Rodrigo, before, you know, if you're in here and you became a, have become a Christian, Rodrigo used to rule the roost in your life before you became a Christian. He used to rule the roost in my life. Because Rod Rodrigo has a very, very strong, powerful nature. So Rodri Rodrigo likes to run the roost. 
He likes to have things his own way. He likes to, uh, he thinks he knows best. He likes to be in control. He cares more about how he feels than how anybody else feels. He likes to get things his own way. He likes people to listen to him. He loves a good massage, does old Rodrigo. He's not interested, he's not interested in God because God challenges him because God wants to be in charge rather than him. So he's not interested in God. And Rodrigo will never, ever change. And the reason why Rodrigo will never change is because of the apple in the Garden of Eden. So before that time, Rodrigo was okay. Rodrigo Rodrigo was kind of neutral and, and he was submitted to God's authority. But when Adam ate the apple in the Garden of Eden, Rodrigo became this self-centered, rather hoity-toity, powerful, I want to be in control, control freak. And ever since then, the same, you know, the fact has remained that my ego and your ego has been like that. And Rodrigo cannot change. And so what happened when Jesus died on the cross is that he defeated, as it were, Rodrigo's power. And for everybody who puts their trust in him, Rodrigo lost his power. He lost his power in their life. So when I became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came and filled me and became a presence in my heart, and there is a new power going on in my life. And Rodrigo has effectively been caged. He's been put in a cage. He still has a voice, but he's been put in a cage. And if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've surrendered to him, then, let's just stick him through here. (laughs) If you've surrendered to him, then the same is true in your life. He's caged. His power has been broken. The power of that self-centered, sinful nature has been broken. If we can just have the uh, verses up from Romans. This is what the Bible says about him. So the little words I've put in pale blue, you could supplement the word Rodrigo for if you wanted. You know, Rodrigo being our sinful nature, or the Bible calls it the flesh, or whatever. For we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with him, we know we'll live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. Death has no longer any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. So that's the power of my ego, the power of your ego. Now that he lives, he lives to the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves dead to the power of your ego, of sin, and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Don't let... Sin, don't let your ego control the way you live and don't give in to its desires. Paul also says, if we can have the next slide, that we know that no good lives in my ego, in your ego. There's nothing good in Rodrigo. He's all out for himself. Okay, let's just recognize that and the Bible's telling us that. And then in, in chapter eight, if we just flick over, Paul says, then you have no obligation anymore to do what he urges you to do. For if you live by his dictates, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the things he wants you to do, of your sinful nature you live. Because all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So that's what happened to this fellow Rodrigo in your life and in mine. But here's the thing. With accountable relationships, Rodrigo gets in the way in a major way. 
Accountable relationships, when we are confronted by people who speak the truth in love to us, Rodrigo has a field day. And it's, I believe, the main reason that prevents us from having these kind of relationships where people are able to speak the truth to us in love and it be part of you know, our Christian walk, our walk with God, because Rodrigo gets in the way. So let me give you an example. Imagine I've got my friend and she's sitting here and she's saying to me, Hills, I really think you know, that this relationship that you're in is not a healthy one, and I, I, I've got real concerns about it, and I've got real, real issues about it. Well, let's say she says to me, I think you're too critical. I've noticed that I think you've you know, got a bit of a critical spirit, and I, I just think God wants to deal with that. Or let's say she says, um, I've just noticed that you're, inc- you're being incredibly negative, and I'm just you know, wondering where faith is playing a part in, in what you're facing at the moment. Rodrigo goes ballistic because Rodrigo is upset by that kind of thing. And he jumps up and, prob- and, and reacts, generally speaking, in a way that protects him and his interests and prevents me from hearing what God might be wanting to say to me. So he might take different forms of defense depending on who we are because we all have different Rodrigos and our, our different Rodrigos react in different ways. But he might launch a counterattack immediately because he doesn't like being spoken to like that. And he might launch a counterattack and go, well, who do you think you are? You're just judging me. I feel judged. That's a way to shut down a conversation if ever you heard one, isn't it? You're judging me. The Bible says take the plank out of your own eye before you take it out of mine. You can't say that to me and a counterattack is launched. He might take a different approach. Maybe your Rodrigo is different. Maybe your Rodrigo launches into the blame game. Oh, well, you know, I'm only like that because they said that about me. I'm only critical of that person because that person did this to me. Or they made me like this. Or if I hadn't been brought up in that kind of household, my dad hadn't done that to me, I wouldn't be like this. And Rodrigo launches into the blame game. Or maybe your Rodrigo is somebody Or maybe your Rodrigo shouts, you justify, justify yourself, justify yourself. And so you start saying, well, you know, this happened to me and then this happened to me. So, of course, that's what I'm like. Or, you know, whatever. We, uh, Tim and I were, uh, we've been sort of on the receiving end of all kinds of false accusations over the last few years. And uh, to our astonishment, uh, another one sort of landed on our plates a week ago by um, a couple who know us. They don't live around here, and who knows how they heard stuff that they heard. And uh, they went to another person and made some false accusations about us um, a week ago, and this person that they'd made the accusations to uh, was very honest and said, I'm going to tell them what you've said. And because we know them, we wrote to them. And uh, we're not quite sure whether they kind of really acknowledged that they were false accusations, and the Bible's very clear about what God thinks about that kind of thing. But their response was, well, we were only caring for for the other people that we were talking about. That's justification. That's justification. And Rodrigo, one of his tactics is to say, justify yourself, justify yourself, because then you don't have to listen to what that person is wanting to bring to you, that life that God is wanting to bring to you through the person that's confronting you. Or maybe your defense mechanism, your, what Rodrigo says to you in your particular life is retreat, retreat. And so you suddenly, you don't say anything, you look very calm on the outside, but that's it. It's the silent treatment for that person forevermore. 
You're going to avoid them. You're not going to acknowledge them. You're certainly not going to be having another vulnerable conversation with them because actually they've suddenly become a kind of enemy or an untrustworthy friend. And, you know, these chairs turn around the other way around. Or maybe, you know, that's a passive-aggressive approach, isn't it? I look like I'm listening. I look like I'm receiving the word, but actually I'm not having any of it. Or maybe, you know, you do the whole manipulation thing and your kind of Rodrigo becomes a bit manipulative and it's like, I make you feel bad for me and it's, oh, I'm such an awful person. You know, try talking to somebody who that's what they do <laughs> when you tell them something that you think they might need to hear to bring them more life. If they, if, you know, if I'm somebody who goes into a meltdown and goes, oh, I'm such an awful person. Everything's wrong with me. I can't do anything right or whatever or I feel sorry for myself and I try and make you feel sorry for me, actually the impact that, that has is it manipulates the other person to make sure they never tell you anything again. We all have a Rodrigo. And the Bible says if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can stop and choose not to listen to him in those moments. And we can listen to the Holy Spirit. The reaction that goes on when your Rodrigo is jumping up and down is not you, it's Rodrigo. And if you're a child of God and you belong to him, you have the choice to choose to ignore him and turn around and listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll just say, calm down. He'll say, calm down, Hills, calm down. Listen to what they've got to say because I might be speaking to you through them. And if I listen to the Holy Spirit and I listen to that whisper and I take a deep breath, I'm open to what God might have to say to me through that person and then he can show me how he wants me to walk forward and what he wants me to do with that. But I don't stand a chance if I listen to Rodrigo and follow his recommended path. If God wants to say something to you, it will be for your good always. God wants the best for you. And he wants to grow you and to grow you into more life. But he's going to do it sometimes in uncomfortable ways. And the question is, are we up for that? Are we ready for him? Are we willing for him to speak to us through those uncomfortable moments, keeping him in his, well, we can't let him out of the cage. Jesus has put him in the cage, but drowning, refusing to listen to his voice so that we can listen to God's voice. Because I'm absolutely convinced every single one of us in here, we have missed something that God has wanted to say to us because we have allowed Rodrigo to go crazy. And so if we want to have accountable relationships, if we want God to be able to speak the truth in love into our lives, we have to be willing to listen. We have to be willing to take a deep breath, to take a pause and say, okay, I'm listening, Lord. We don't have to do what they say. We don't have to take it all on board. We just have to hear it. Because you, you, you can't do something with what somebody's saying to you if you haven't heard it. You don't have to do what they're saying. You just have to go away and take it to the Lord and say, Lord, are you speaking? What are you saying? What's you and what's them? But you can't do that if you haven't heard it. So do you have those relationships in your life? Are you willing to contend for the humility to hear from those people that God has given something for you? John Wimber said, God uh, offends the mind to reveal the heart. So often God will use packages and people in our lives that we don't really want to hear stuff from to reveal how much we want to hear his truth and how much we want to walk into his life. Are you willing to be somebody who is willing to hear what other people has got to say, have got to say to you? 
And if you haven't got those people in your life speaking the truth in love to you, there's a good chance it's because they're afraid of your Rodrigo. I know that there are certain people I have to work really hard at if I want to say something to them because I'm afraid of their Rodrigo. I know people whose lives have ended up in a car crash because you know, they didn't listen to what was said to them in love. I'm sure we all do. But if you haven't got people speaking the truth to you in love in your life, then maybe it's because of your Rodrigo. Now, we could talk about, we're not going to, about being those people for other people who are willing to speak into other people's lives. That's, a, that's a, a, a for another occasion. But I really believe that God wants to ask us this evening, have we got those people in our lives? And if not, is it because we've let him shout too loudly for too long? Is it because we've let him shout too loudly for too long? If you've got people in your life who love you and who aren't willing just to sort of smooth, you know, smooth his feathers and be yes, yes people to you, if you've got people in your life who love you enough to want the best for you, even if that means speaking some tough stuff into your life every now and again, then why not think about going to them and going, do you know what, I'm really serious about growing with God and I want you to speak into my life when you believe you've got something to say. And I'm going to look after him and I'm going to choose to work at this and try and listen to what God might have to say to me. And if you haven't got those people in your life, I want to encourage you to pray that God would send those people. I want to encourage you to pray that God would send people across your path that you could ask to speak into your life. Because as I've said, there are certain things that God is only going to say to you in this way through these kind of relationships. And don't we all want everything that he has for us? I know we do. But if we do, we need these kind of relationships in our life. Why don't we stand? If you're new here, we just tend to um, finish our services in a slightly messy way. We like to give God a bit more time to uh, just continue to minister into what he's been saying and doing. And we would like to give ourselves a chance to respond to him. So let's close our eyes. And we're just going to spend a few moments waiting on the Holy Spirit and listening to what it is that he wants to to say and wait on him for what he wants to do just in these final moments. So let's just close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your presence in us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your heart for us. We thank you that you have good things for us. We thank you that you have so much more for us always. And we thank you that you're here now. 
and we just welcome you again in this moment. We just welcome you. We say welcome. You're welcome to come and do what it is you want to do in us in these, in these moments. We say, come have your way, Holy Spirit. Would you come? And just fix your eyes on Jesus. And you might want to ask him what specifically he's asking you to do with what he said to you this evening. Whether that was through the worship, whether that was through the word, whether it's something he wants to say to you now. Just ask him in the quiet of your heart what it is that he wants you to do with what he said to you. you, Lord. More of you. More of you. More of you, Jesus. Queen and the Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just believe that he wants, um, just believe that there are some here and actually you've been really wounded <coughs> by the words of others. And actually, they're words that haven't been spoken to you in love, and they're words that weren't spoke, you know, they weren't God's word to you. And you've been really wounded by the words of others. And actually, I just believe that, that God wants to begin by ministering to you. So if that's you, I just want you to, just right where you are, just at the moment, I want you to put your hand on your heart and just welcome him to begin to come and minister to those wounds that have been caused by other people's words, the words that have been spoken to you. And you might even, you can probably hear those words ringing in your head, echoing in your head in the moment, in your, in the, the moment at the moment. So if that's you, just receive his touch. Just receive his touch. And the Holy Spirit's going to speak God's truth into that wound and over that wound in this moment. More of you, Lord. More of you, Jesus. Thank you. Now, there are some of you here that are you, you are in places or you have a gift of speaking. You have an opportunity and you have, you have a, um, it's almost like you have a microphone, you have a, a platform or a position to speak from. And this isn't connected to necessarily an accountable relationship. It may be in a workplace, it may be um, in, in relationships in your university or whatever, but actually you have openings to speak the truth. 
to speak the truth about Jesus, to speak the truth about the gospel, to speak the truth about some of the principles of the kingdom, values of the kingdom. Maybe it's in your workplace and actually you've got an opportunity to speak to others. You've got a position of influence. And I believe that God wants to anoint those of us that have either a passion or a heart or the opportunity to speak the truth so that we do it with grace and love. Uh, in whatever context we find ourselves. So if that's you, I want you to come down to the front and we'd love to pray for you because I believe that God wants to anoint your, your lips and your mouths this evening. So just begin to make your way down to the front. Maybe you're a teacher and actually you have opportunities with um, pupils. You know who you are. Just begin to make your way, that's right, just begin to make your way down to the front. Just come right down. Maybe it's in places that you live, communities that you live. Maybe it's with your housemates who don't know know the Lord. Maybe it's with, with um, you know, different, maybe there are mentoring relationships or whatever. But God wants to anoint you to speak his truth with courage and compassion. If we could have some uh, people to come and pray. Uh, if we could have some ministry team. Just come and lay a hand on a shoulder. Just come on down. And just pray for God's courage and compassion to fill our brothers and sisters that they might be megaphones for truth in a sensitive but a, but a, a courageous way to those around them who need to hear truth. We need to hear truth. We live in a post-truth world, but Jesus is the truth and it's the truth that sets us free. And he wants to anoint truth proclaimers this evening. So if we can have some more people to come down and pray. Maybe you feel that you actually have a call to preach the gospel. Maybe that's something that you just feel you have a call, but you're not necessarily doing it at the moment. If that's you, I want you to come down as well.